From Equality Arizona, I'm Gene Woodbury. On today's episode of the Arizona Equals Conversation, I talk with Jesse and Gabe, co-owners of Brick Road Coffee. Over the past year, Brick Road has become something of a destination and a beloved community hub for LGBTQ people living in the East Valley. Located on Rural Road just south of the 60, the coffee shop is nestled into the heart of the city of Tempe. My first experience at Brick Road was on the recommendation of a previous guest on the podcast, the author Lee Call, who held the launch event for their most recent novel, The Angel Room, at the coffee shop. If you'd like to listen to that conversation, you can visit our archive at equalityarizona.org stories. Or you can follow the show in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode features the first joint interview I've done for the show, and I was a little intimidated, but really excited. Now, I have to clarify that because this is a podcast and you only have our voices, it's not going to be immediately clear who's who. So I had Gabe and Jesse record a little intro just to establish their voices. I'm Jesse Shank, um, and I'm the older one. (laughs) (laughs) Gabe Hagen, the younger one. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Thank you. Now, before we get the full interview started, I want to tease a couple of events we have coming up at Brick Road in the month of October, on October 9th and October 17th. One of those is a book club. Now, we don't have any information online yet, but if you visit equalityarizona.org events soon, you'll be able to find out more and to register. And with that out of the way, let's get into the interview. Thanks for listening. I really wanted to get a chance to talk about how Brick Road came to be. And I think on some level, that has to start with how you two met each other. And so maybe we could start by talking a little bit about your history. Um, well, I'll, I'll keep it to uh, we met in San Diego. Um, and, and you're right, there's a lot of elements of our past that kind of lead to Brick Road um, as individuals and as a couple. Um, and so I, at the time when we met, was a bartender and a bar manager for a small business uh, in San Diego. They owned a couple of nightclubs, and I'd worked for them for you know, 11 years at the time, I believe. Um, so, you know, I kind of had a background in um, an LGBTQ, queer, small business um, community space in San Diego. Um, and yes, I was lucky enough to meet Gabe uh, at the club. I don't know if uh, Gabe yep. was 21 yet, but I, I did meet him. <laughs> For legal reasons, uh, let's say it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, he was a bank teller at the bank that um, that business uh, patronized. So I would see him there. I would see him around town. Um, and uh, he eventually agreed to go on a date with me. Oh, that's really nice. Had you been in San Diego for your whole life up to that point? I I went to, I moved to San Diego in um, 1994 uh, to go to college at UCSD. 
and I moved to Hillcrest, which was the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, yeah, in about 98, and um, promptly put my biology and animal behavior degree to use, bartending at a gay bar. And I uh, did that for a long time. There's, there's some similarities, <laughs> just tracking behavior. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of animal behavior management yeah. there. Sure. And I moved to San Diego in 2007, and that's when we met pretty quickly after I moved. Yeah. So. Yeah. Gabe was brave and, and moved to San Diego by himself mm-hmm. um, and, and got a roommate on Craigslist before there were Craigslist murders. Yeah. <laughs> Before the Dateline specials about Craigslist, I found a roommate on Craigslist and moved in with them. I think a lot of people have found pretty great things on Craigslist. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, they've changed it now without yeah. the personal section and everything. But what took you to San Diego at that point? I mean, that's a pretty big move to make. Yeah, I grew up in Iowa. So, um, you know, really accepting and loving Iowa. Um, so I turned 18 and I flew uh, I see, yeah. across the country. So I just wanted to go somewhere somewhere different. Originally I was thinking San Francisco, but my best friend moved to San Diego to go to school. So I decided to just follow and go that way. Oh, so you knew someone in San Diego already? I knew one person, yeah. So we were... We, we still are friends, but like we lived different lifestyles. I found the neighborhood and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was like, ooh, there's a world of people like me. That's amazing. Yeah. I feel like moving to Arizona from San Diego, where there's, it seems like a community you were pretty embedded in over a long period of time, isn't necessarily an intuitive choice that, that everyone would make. Sure. It took some convincing, um, uh, and it took the Great Recession, honestly, um, oh, yeah. to kind of jar me out of my, my bar. I'll call it a rut because I, you know, I was a bartender for uh, probably way too long after college uh, before, you know, going into a more traditional career. Uh, but, you know, it gave, made good arguments. Um, he was a, a good motivation, a good reason to make some changes. Um, and like I said, the Great Recession kind of changed the, the financial landscape for me. Um, and we were looking to find a home, which San Diego um, didn't present many options uh, for homeownership at the time. Uh, my parents were living in Arizona at that time, so we came to visit um, and found some cheap real estate and, and kind of said, you know, let's just do it. Yeah. Um, I, I'll say, you know, we, we missed San Diego for a mm-hmm. while, and, and that shift from a, a very gay neighborhood, a, a very mm-hmm. queer space, you know, where rainbow flags on every window and, yeah. um, you know, you did, you walked down the street holding hands. Um at three in the morning, it didn't matter, right? You weren't you weren't afraid there, uh, and Arizona was was a big change in that respect. But we did move to Levine, to be fair, uh, right off oh, the bat, yeah. right? So <laughs> probably as different as you can get within the the valley um, from San Diego. That's a big change. What were your arguments? Your pro Arizona arguments? Real estate. And at the time, you know, I had this idealized version of like being closer to family again because his family just moved out here from uh, the Bay Area, and it was that you know white picket fence. The the let's get some dogs and let's get a house and let's see that idealized uh, version of what I thought I wanted. And then we moved to Arizona, and it was great. We're not, we still miss San Diego, but it definitely came with a lot of unintended consequences, I guess? I I suspect that 
to some extent, Gabe also didn't mind removing me from the bar scene, the bar yeah, and club scene that. in San Diego, um, that I, I was a little bit too embedded in for too long. Um, mm. And it's it's not the healthiest of, of scenes all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the one of the things that kind of led to Brick Road being what it is, is um, finding a way to have that type of space and that type of community that doesn't have alcoholic component or a partying component um, and was a little bit more inclusive. So um. I see a lot of people on the internet talk about that kind of idea. Like, where's the space for me to go where I don't have to worry about people drinking or having to buy a drink? Um, so I think maybe it's a good time to talk about how Brick Road came to be. You moved to Levine initially how long did you stay in Levine? Are you still in Levine? No. Okay. <laughs> um, well, we were there long enough. Um, you know, Levine was kind of a midway point between the two jobs that we found in Arizona um, okay. to facilitate the move. Um, and then we both ended up working in Tempe um, for financial institutions. And uh, it made sense to move to Tempe uh, yeah. for that reason, if none other, right? Um, and then we kind of fell in love with Tempe pretty quickly. Um, yeah. and, but we noticed that Tempe was lacking. It didn't have a gay bar. It didn't have, it doesn't have a lot of right. those queer spaces. The East Valley in general was pretty dry in, in queer spaces. And so, it always has been. Yeah. And so that's one thing that really frustrated me is like Tempe is such an inclusive city to not have those spaces. Um, so when we originally opened Brick Road, I don't know if we intended to be, we definitely didn't intend to be as queer of a space as it is now. Um, uh, a lot of it was out of fear, um, just not not sure if leaning into that queer identity would be beneficial to business. So we did it in subtle ways to, to stay true to ourselves. And then once we opened our doors, we found out that the community really needed that. The community was reminding us that, yes, we have a desert out here in the East Valley. And so we just kept leaning in more and more and more and letting the space kind of evolve into what it's become, which yeah. has been really fun. I, I think, you know, it may be important to note that coming from the neighborhood in San Diego to Arizona, we, we became homebodies pretty quickly and didn't venture out. And, and you know, we're aware that there's a, a scene in downtown uh, Phoenix, central Phoenix area. Um, but we, we kind of removed ourselves from all of that and just focused on career um, and, and that was probably to our detriment as well, right? And, and one of the real impetus, impet, I'm not even going to be able to say it, uh, <laughs> impetus for uh, opening Brick Road was um, escaping some of the pressures of that, uh, that career. Mm -hmm. um, so, so it is that when, when we did make the move, we weren't sure how far we could go and, and really how brave we wanted to be. And, and what was out there, really? What was the community like? Because we'd removed ourselves from it for a bit. How fast was that evolution then from the sort of un uncertain kind of hedging your bets start to how things are now? Pretty very quick. quick. Yeah, very quick. Uh, we're risk averse in business and, uh, you know, and in life in general, um, to the point that when we opened the, the cafe, we did it without employees for a month. You know, we, we stepped in so that we weren't risking uh, a lot of the bucket that we had right away. Um, and in the same way, 
we hinted at things and, and we, we put little Easter eggs around mm. and, and we did things that we thought were really important, like set up the lending library. Um, but it, it was very, very rapidly the community that the people that were coming in made it clear that um, this is going to be good. This is going to be, you know, something that they wanted. Um, and, you know, we just kind of th threw it in yeah. at that point. <laughs> we're going for it. I think pretty quickly we started getting some regulars that were driving from like Queen Creek on like two, three times a week to come use our space. And they were part of our community. And it's just, we were like, wow, this is, this is how much it's needed. And so then we just kept leaning in, in more. We kept doing more things. And then Pride Month rolled around and the flags came, went up and they just haven't come down. And I don't know if they ever will. Nice. Uh, <laughs> cleaning yeah i think well i think one of the biggest things <laughs> that helped too was that rainbow christmas tree we did lean in for Chris christmas and we bought a christmas tree that was rainbow and that like i think was the first real flag that we planted of like this is a yeah. queer space yeah. this is a visual identity it was a queer mystery we we collected gifts for one in ten. Oh, that's wonderful and it was just but you could see people's eyes light up when they when they walked in the door and yeah. there was this rainbow Christmas tree in the like direct line of sight, you know, and the joy is just like yeah, you, we got to keep going with this stuff. So well, I think it's kind of the nature of the metro area that you know even knowing like yeah I could drive to Melrose from Tempe or from Chandler, it's not something that you're gonna do that often right. or it's not a natural choice to make necessarily and so being able to just walk into a coffee shop in tempe as opposed to having to make like a dedicated you know potentially half hour 45 mm -hmm. minute drive it's it's a big deal and when i spoke to lee call the author they were telling me that it was just kind of an accidental discovery for them after going to jerry's artorama <laughs> and just finding out oh wait this is this is super gay <laughs> And then another big moment for them was seeing that lending library. It sounds like that was kind of one of the earliest things you really leaned into. That was important for me from day one. I wanted to have that. Um, growing up in Iowa, it was a very small town. Um, our bookstore was Barnes & Noble. It wasn't like we had an independent bookstore. And I mean, I gra my graduating class was 126 people. So like super small right. town. Everybody knew everybody. You knew whose parents were whose. And I didn't always know who was related to somebody in my class. So, like, going to Barnes & Noble, they had a gay and lesbian section. And I remember I was trying to buy the book Middlesex. And, like, just because somebody had told me that that was a little bit queer. And I was like, what? Yeah. So, like, I was trying to see myself in a book. And I was terrified to stand in front of that section because I felt like that was outing myself. Right buying the book i'd have to go up to somebody and actually give them the book and pay for it and didn't know if i would know them or if they would know me in some way or know my family in some way that's a good point because it's such a small town such a small yeah. town so like all of those little like micro traumas of like outing yourself was just so detrimental so i wanted to create a bookshelf that was just queer representation in some form either a queer author queer story and just have it so people can walk up to it look at it grab a book put it in your bag and walk away yeah. Like there's no checkout process. There's no nothing. It's just here's a space where you can go if you don't if you're it's a coffee shop. Like so kind of remove some of those boundaries or barriers is my goal. I I think that um you know when we first started talking about opening a coffee shop, we were 
we were looking at you know different companies that already existed franchises um we were talking about different ways to do it um but we did have things that we wanted our coffee shop to have right and things that we wanted to do and we we wanted to support um charities that were important to us and social causes and um, have things like the lending library and, and that's one of the things that really led us away from the franchise idea um, yeah. which may have been a little bit less risky um, it would have cost a lot more money up front to get started but um, it, you know in general it, it's a proven concept but right. would we have the control to be be able to do those things and and we talked to some of those companies and we really wouldn't you know we had to get permission to donate um, yeah to, to engage with other organizations in the community and, and things like that and um, so you know it was kind of clear like we we've got to go independent yeah we did um, some research on a couple of them that we were really interested in and you start looking at who owns the company that owns the company that owns the company and you start right. seeing all these like Mar-a-Lago pictures and <laughs> stuff like that and you're like and probably won't get the approval so right. maybe not the best people to be in business well with. and they're protecting their brand on some level right mm -hmm. and now you've established your own brand which means you can make whatever decisions you want yep you were mentioning those micro traumas mm -hmm. in like a more generic business sense. People talk about friction and often the way to create like a, a niche in the market is to find a way to remove friction for people in some kind of experience that they want, but for some reason aren't actually engaging in. And I think that that's something that's really happening in terms of everything you're talking about being in the East Valley, creating a space where people don't have to, out themselves in an uncomfortable way or extend their limits too much. I think that anyone starting a business and especially something as risky as any kind of brick and mortar can be, especially, I think there's a million coffee shops, right? All around. What gave you the confidence to actually jump into that? You know, I, I think, um, you know, again, there were there were certain things we wanted to accomplish with this with the space ahead of time um, before we decided to go in all in queer, um, and uh, we, I think we were confident that those things would uh, would encourage community members to patronize us. So I and, you know I didn't mention it earlier, but um, it was very important to us to provide a living wage to our baristas and and pay good money. Um, and, you know, it's another thing you can't necessarily control with the franchise, you know. Uh, oh. But, uh, you know, yeah, we, we, we just assumed that if we supported the community and supported our employees, um, that we would get enough traction to survive, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot of people that want to support people that do good business. Um, and that's one area where we we have that privilege. Like we both had corporate careers. I was able to step away from mine entirely to focus on Brick Road and that investment of my time without requiring any type of compensation from the business allowed us to enter paying our employees minimum, above minimum wage plus tips. We're not taking advantage of all the legislative loopholes that they give you when it comes to tipped employees where you can pay yeah. them less money. And, you know, just really leaning into those values that allowed me to find better talent, yeah. um, allowed me to find talent that was really going to connect with our mission um, and help show that. Because that was the scariest part. When I started, it was just the two of us. There was no employees. 
So living out the values and the mission is super easy because we're setting that up and it's <laughs> right. just us. The only people people engage with are going to be Jesse or myself. Um, once you add employees into that, now you're creating a safe space that's relying on other people to nurture our own community, to take care of our community. Um, and so that's where I think treating the employees with a certain level of respect, show, being transparent with them. They know where we're at as far as financials. They know how well the business is doing. They know why we're making certain decisions because I don't hide that because they deserve to know that information. Um, and it gives them more of a reason to buy into the business. Um, yeah. And that just that creates an ecosystem that really does support our community so much. I think something I really wanted to learn coming into this conversation is how you approach building community because you're a space that's not just a community space. It's a space that has an actual community that's grown around it. And it seems like what you're saying is that that began at a very small and intentional level with your staff. What else have you done to really um, be intentional about that? You mentioned that a lot of it was just listening to what people wanted and what people would respond to. But I've seen in general that it's actually really difficult to nurture that kind of community without being really intentional about it. I would agree. It's been one of our, it's, it's becoming one of our primary things that we have to spend our time focusing on is create is nurturing that community. Um, we started going into it very uh, well aware of the privileges that we carried. Um, we're two cisgendered white men like we, we just have to acknowledge that and realize where we're at. So we can only speak to our experiences. So we intentionally went in trying to, A, seek out people that have different life experiences, that have different viewpoints, and ask, what, do you, what does that community need? Because the one thing we were privileged to be able to have is a space that we could offer up. If they knew something that their community needed, whether it be access to HIV testing or something like that, we had the space that we could try to go out and make that available. Um, one thing that, one example was somebody mentioned that the, the trans community is further impacted by the stigma of access to menstrual products um, or the, the hygiene products. And so we made it part of our thing where now we have access to pads and tampons that are just free because if you forget one it's hard enough to ask if you're a cisgendered individual let alone part of the trans community so that type of listening and being able to take our space to remove those barriers or set up some form of a group get together or allowing people to use our space in a certain way a lot of it is just staying out of the way and, mm. and letting community do what community wants to do. Um, and, and part of that is saying yes a lot, right? Like if, right. if somebody, hey, can we do this here? Can we have some space? Can we have some time? You know, yes, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do that, but yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it. I don't know what will happen. But um, the owners of, of one of my favorite coffee shops in San Diego said to me a long time ago, if you're not building community, you don't have a coffee shop. Right, um, and I, I took that to heart. But what does that mean? Like, How, how do you intentionally build community? Um, and I think to some extent we, we got lucky um, that th there was a real need for this space and yeah. the community was there ready to use it. Um, we are next to a nonprofit uh, that hosts recovery meetings. 
um, which is a ready-made community that has a lot of intersection to the queer community. Um, so to some extent, there was already a community there next door yeah. ready to use the space and encourage others. Um, because w when you come in as a customer for the first time, even if you're alone, you're going to see those interactions going on around you and that people are open to talk to strangers and um, you know that there's this kind of family festive atmosphere there and partake in it. So having that starter points, the sourdough starter of community there, um, <laughs> was a great benefit and uh, very grateful for that community. And I'm also just grateful for the other, the other people that have already formed so much community that allowed us to tap into their networks, like partners like One in 10, partners like Glisten, partners like Southwest Center for HIV and AIDS, all of them, and, and even Equality Arizona. I mean, that, there's, there's another one. Like all yeah. these people that we just, you they have their expertise they know what they're doing um and they they provide fantastic resources for different parts of our community we just want to be a central hub like we look at ourselves as i want to be that kind of info dump of like where people can go to get access to a myriad of things like i'm not going to be the expert but i'm going to hopefully know somebody that knows somebody that's my goal so the last time i went to your coffee shop I ended up sitting next to Mayor Corey Woods for a couple hours. Um, something I love about Tempe is just by geographic happenstance, it's completely landlocked. And a lot of things are really centralized in a way that isn't true for other cities. There's the Tempe Public Library. There aren't branches. There's just one library. And it's right down the street from you. I think you mentioned there's a book club that you do in partnership with the Tempe Library. But in general, what has your experience been integrating into some of like the existing Tempe institutions? Uh, well, I, I'll just say the city of Tempe has been amazing to work with um, from the inception of, of the business to today. Um, so, you know, as someone's trying to start a business, uh, the city of Tempe, all of their departments um, have, they're, they're very responsive and helpful and they want to see you succeed. As far as the leadership, like um, the city council, um, the, the charities, the large businesses, the business community in Tempe, <clears throat> all of them. I just I, I don't I, I don't know what to say about it, Gabe. Um, have anybody you want to shout out to? Or I, I, there's so many. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we've we've done. The city has just embraced us so quickly, um, whether that be the city officials, the, the actual city of Tempe, or just groups like Tempe Tourism is an example. They came yeah. in early on and did a like TikTok of us, and that got us so much traction within Tempe. Oh, and wow. it's so many ways in which the city has just helped us along the way, helped us get off off the ground, get on, get on our feet, start running, um, has been really, really instrumental in getting us to where we're at. Um, but I will say, like, there's other businesses that I know of that, like, are starting out and they, they aren't finding that same connection. Um, and what I find the difference is, is I'm not quiet. Um, <laughs> so, like, I'm sitting here like, oh, Tempe Tourism. Like, I'm DMing them, like, hey, we're a new coffee shop. You have a coffee shop page on your website. Can we be yeah. on it? Like, I'm, I'm not afraid to, to ask because worst yeah. thing they can do is say no. And it's that type of put yourself out there um, 
that I think has really helped us take off and, and, and mixed with a little bit. I mean, I have a corporate career, so I'm used to corporate politics. I know how to play the corporate games. So I think being able to combine a new business, a small business with some of the infrastructure that I'm used to at a corporation has allowed me to be able to put together presentations that are like, hey, this is why you should care about us. And that gets us more traction, that people take us a little bit more seriously when we yeah. kind of show them that we aren't just a fly-by-night coffee shop. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the network is there um, and the support is there. And, and yes, you have to ask for the help. Mm -hmm. um, Tempe Chamber has been great. The Greater Equality Chamber oh, yeah. um, has been amazing. Uh, we've got so many of our, our business partners from from Chamber Connections, um, you know, accountants and lawyers and, and people that you need uh, when you're in business. Um, and yeah, they all, everybody's rooting for you if if you just make the connection, if you just reach out and say hello. Mm -hmm. And you just have to tell your story. That's one thing that we found very quickly was solidifying what our story was. How did Brick Road come to be? What do we, what's our mission? What's our purpose? And once we found that sweet spot of the the queer community needing that space, like it became very easy to tell our story because we so passionately believe in what we're doing. Um, it's easy to kind of go out and say, this is why you should care about us. And this is why you should care about the issues that matter to our community. And hey, did you ever think about how this impacts our community? And even though I'm not necessarily doing a ton of stuff, I've gotten other businesses to implement some things that make it a little bit easier for our community outside of Brick Road's walls. And so yeah. that's a mission that I've been trying to do, partnering with the Tempe Chamber, trying to get them more well integrated with the Greater Phoenix Equality Chamber, which is an affinity chamber that definitely champions our community. Um, and then also partnering them with One Community Arizona with Angela Huey's mm -hmm. organization. Yeah. And just like getting those partnerships is big thing on my bucket list to do and that includes the tempe chamber that includes the city of tempe the government officials so beyond just selling coffee i'm trying to really have the communities that we're a part of become leaders in the queer community and and showing that that all doors are open to us i really want that more than anything like I want to. I want. I want there to be a strong community that stands behind us now more than ever. Like I feel like that's needed. You say now more than ever. I think you were saying it's just a lot of it's about saying yes when you're building community. But there are some really concerning things happening around the country right now at community spaces that host LGBT events, even if it's something like a book club. Sometimes that's something that gets targeted. Are there difficult decisions you've had to make? Are there things you've had to say no to? I think we've uh, so so far have said yes <laughs> with some trepidation in in some instances, um, and um, taken some additional steps to make sure that we're as safe as we can be. Um, so I, I I don't know that we've been asked to host anything that was. Uh, so controversial or concerning that mm -hmm. we've said no. Um, but it is something we're aware of. I mean, you, you do have yeah. to think about those things. Um, who's going to show up? What kind of chatter is out there? Who's talking about us? Um, for sure. I, I think, um, it, you know, we're, we're transparent with our employees if we, if we have a concern. Um, and, you know, maybe we lose a little sleep. But... 
<laughs> occasionally. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, nothing's stopping us yet. That's great. I think that's the biggest thing is we've had, we had one instance in Pride Month when a lot of things are being targeted. And luckily the event went off without hesitation, but it was a lot on like us actually dealing with that situation and like making sure everything went off well um, and having to deal with the whole situation that like the next month when that same event came around, it was very like, do we still do this? Do we still want to be targets on Telegram or wherever the right wing chatter is at the moment? And so we, that was the hardest one was to to continue with that second month. And we, we did it. There were no issues. And it was reminding me that it's like, yes, we're not going that's, that's letting them win if we shut that down. If we stop doing drag story hours or stop doing different events because they targeted us, then they've won. Yeah. And, and so it's some sleepless nights for sure. Um, but it's just re- forcing us to kind of think of different ways to approach the event, make sure that there's the right pe- partners involved. Free mom hugs has been fantastic. Sure. Um, like, it's just the the community rallies to help support to make sure that we can create these spaces. I also just wanted to ask about some of the things that you have said yes to. You've got a lot of different programming happening at Brick Road, and I was hoping just for the podcast listeners that maybe you could share some of the stuff you have coming up. Uh, well, it, we have several recurring um, events that pretty much happen every month. Uh, the the biggest and most consistent one is Queer Arizona or Queer in Arizona, um, which is a, a kind of a social nonprofit uh, that was started uh, by two individuals. I think one was in Queen Creek and one was in Surprise or Peoria or something. And, mm-hmm. and really their mission was to make sure that there were more social events for queer people happening outside of central phoenix and we were very lucky to connect with them early on in their journey it was early on in our journey um, and so we have a, a a wednesday a weekly wednesday queer meetup that is usually 20 to 30 people strong it, it kind of takes over um, some of the asu <laughs> students give us the stink eye when they get their, their finals done but um, uh, th- that's a great one and one of my favorites um, always different people but you know some some you know some familiar faces at the same time uh tempe library uh reached out to us wanting to do a a lgbtq bipoc book club um and uh the uh, deputy director do i have the title right i think Uh, so yeah uh, jessica jupiter just so amazing at running a book club um i've i don't know if i've ever heard of a book club that has the attendance that ours does um but uh, that happens once a month. The um, second Tuesday of every yeah. month. Jessica is wonderful. I've gotten to meet with her a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a breath of fresh air. I mean, really, yeah. yeah. So glad they're here. I mean, our book club last night, we had 21 people. And most, if not all, I think at some point participated. It was just a fantastic discussion, and it was so much fun. So those are right. really fun events to yeah. join. For sure. And and so a quick shout out to Changing Hands in Tempe, which is, you know, a, a great business. Um, you know, they host a lot of author events and, and book launches. And um, we've had the pleasure of go going to a couple of those. And uh, we're also lucky to have a good writing community building in Brick Road um, that, that, you know, writers that meet regularly. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of 
really powerful queer authors that are local to Tempe, which there's is a huge, which is really cool. Huge queer. I mean, well, Lee Call was in here. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's a, there's an incredible queer writing community here in Arizona that we had no idea existed, but we've kind of tapped into that network between the authors that write there, the events we've gone to at Changing Hands. Changing Hands has even donated several times to that lending library just to keep it stocked and full. And so it's such a beautiful like ecosystem around books and literature. And so the book club has kind of spawned into, you know, occasionally we'll do a behind the curtains um, local author spotlight. We've had a couple of book launches actually at Brick Road. Um, uh, David Boyles and Lee Call so far um and then other events uh, dungeons and dragons <laughs> so we have uh four groups going right now on um various uh, days yeah, yeah thursdays tuesdays um there's a wait list um we're trying wow. to get some more dungeon masters um, do so either of you play uh, we do Oh, that's great. (laughs) Selfishly, a lot of these events that we set up are just things that we want to do. But, you know, a lot of of gamers out there, Mm G-A-Y-M-E-R-S, right? Um, Yeah. It's another great uh, local nonprofit is the Phoenix Gamers. Um, Yeah. And so we hope to see them sometimes. We've got some chess groups coming. Um, and then uh, we try to do once a month drag story hour. Um, so actually, the twenty fourth Saturday, the twenty fourth. Do you remember the time? I don't have it yet. Don't have the time yet. But um, I think it's in the morning. Yeah, we're doing another drag story hour event. Um, so we try to do that once a month, where we'll have like either a, a kids or a young adult drag story hour. Sometimes we mix in some trivia with it. We just want to create those those uh, events for the community. And then in October. Yeah, we can tease. We can tease. In October, (laughs) we are currently planning, I think, for the 29th, a potential trunk or treat event. Uh, Mm. Trying to Uh, create an inclusive inclusive safe space. That's a good tease. That's a good tease. Also, at the end of October, uh, we we, uh, plan on hosting a lot of uh, NaNoWriMo events, again, with the writing community. Oh, yeah. um, National Novel Writing Month. So end of October, going into the first day of November, uh, we plan to have kind of a, a launch party, if you would, or, you know, or, or get started on your novel. Not really a party, but sit down and write, get to work kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I think we have, we have some really cool partnerships with, um, Gabe, you mentioned Southwest Center for HIV and AIDS Research and mm-hmm. uh, Spectrum, Spectrum Medical. Medical. Both of them come and do pretty regular on-site HIV testing for free. Um, just getting people access to that type of testing. Uh, we're also working with them to try to build out some more spaces to do additional access, but that's still in development because there's, you know, medical. There's requirements. And it's stuff. a lot of extra <laughs> yeah. Steps so like we got to make sure we have the right space. But but right now we can do the the testing and we can get connected to those resources. So um, we try to have that on a pretty regular basis. Um, I know that Southwest Center has been really involved in some of the MPV response work is that something that there's been any demand for around your location um not yet i I talked with them last time they were they were there and they were just getting the ability to host it at their site to do that um so i i know i've been i've been meaning to connect with them again to see about doing an annex out on east valley so yeah something i've been mindful of trying to create another access point um, Yeah. yeah so 
We're, and we're always trying to gather resources and information and, and keep them. You know, we have we have the traditional community board kind of place where you can put that your violin lessons or tutoring <laughs> or whatever. But um, most of the the stuff back there is is really resource driven. Um, you know, all sorts of things from you know drug and alcohol uh, rehabilitation, uh, sexual health, uh, that that sort of thing. So. Yeah, the, the, the events, we, we were doing a lot more during the summer. We had like a movie night, and we'll plan to bring some of those back over the summer. With ASU back in session, our nights get filled back up with students. So oh, right. So we, yeah. we dialed some of those events back, or at least pause them until breaks and stuff like that. We, we are still um, a fairly small space, right? So yeah. we have so many tables, and, and when Queer Zona pops in, like I said, you know, 30 people, most of those tables disappear. Um and, but, you know, I, I think people develop habits. They, they, they get you know, used to the, the routine, uh, to the routine. Right? Yeah. yeah, I think students are good at learning um, what the best coffee shop is for them on any given night. Right. Yeah. Yep. And that's that's very important for us to have those spaces for for our community to gather and be safe and have fun. So this is a good time to plug on our website. There is a, a form where you can submit an event request or you know, suggest an event. Um, so if there's anybody out there looking for a space uh, to do something, then you, know, you, can, you can just submit That's that. That's right. Or, I'll add a link to that yeah. to the show notes. Or you yeah. can usually find Gabe or I at the coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> or email brickroad at gmail, brickroadcoffee at gmail.com. Perfect. We'll, when you mention the whole community of authors in Tempe, that's not something I had been really familiar with before either. And it seemed like a real moment of discovery for you. You moved initially to Levine, now you're in Tempe. I think not just at Brick Road, but in your time in Arizona, what are some of the great discoveries that you've made? There's plenty of culture in Arizona. Um, I think we're both big fans of the theater. Um, and you know, there, there are a lot of theaters in, in the Phoenix area and a lot of um, talent. I don't know, you know, I, I, maybe I'm, I'm surprised that the discovery is that I actually Love Arizona, love <laughs> the Phoenix area. Yeah, um, you know, spent spent a year or two saying, "When are we moving back to San Diego?" But um, that was a long time ago, and uh, now I really did. we might visit, but I have no desire to to move anywhere. I think I just love all of the outdoor spaces that we have here, and like what we're able to do, whether it be Tempe Town Lake, Papago Park, Kiwanis. There's just always something to do and see and there seems to be a pretty good mix of events that are put on that that provide different access to culture and and that's always really fun to see and really exciting to participate in so that's great well thanks for talking with me today for the podcast thank you thanks again to jesse and gabe for being my guests on the podcast this week i'm sure i'll see them again soon at brick road And if I'm ever in Tempe, well, that's where you'll find me. All right, I had to make at least one Wizard of Oz reference. If you haven't given up listening yet, maybe consider leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps out the show. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of the podcast, just visit equalityarizona.org slash stories to sign up. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to tune in again next week.